Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for the latest in our Becoming Mandela podcast. And both Trevor and I hope you've had a wonderful Christmas and are enjoying this time of the holiday season. As we embark upon a new year, this is often a time for reflection, reviewing what we've achieved in the last 12 months and setting some new challenges for the year ahead. So the fact that this episode is looking at depth feels perfect timing. One of the things we explore in this podcast is whether we're prepared to settle. I think sometimes we don't like let, let life get to us. Sometimes we just settle. And uh, I don't know whether you ever saw the film Thelma and Louise, but um, it's probably a bit dated now. There's a scene in Thelma and Louise where one of them, they kind of are going off and one of them is miles away from home. Phone, she phones back to her husband and basically said, I'm leaving you. I'm gone. And I can't remember what his response was, but I remember her response to him is she said to him, well, I guess we got what we settled for. And and I think we do in life. We get what we settle for. And I think what depth is saying is don't settle. Ask more, dig in more, because for someone like Mandela, you are not going to unpick the complexity of an unjust apartheid system by settling. You have to dig deep. And part of him, you know, we've touched on it before, he learned Afrikaans, which wasn't his native language. He created language depth in order to understand his enemy at that point in time, to understand their mindset and to be able to talk to them in a language that they could understand. So he created even linguistic depth. So we're going to discover not just what it means to grow up, but to also grow down. And I promise there is some great questions to challenge you at the end of this podcast. Don't forget, if you're still full of the spirit of generosity at Christmas, we'd love you to leave a review or a rating on iTunes or tell a friend who you think might enjoy becoming Mandela. We'd love to spread the word further. Okay, to borrow a current cliche, let's deep dive on depth. sat here with Trevor and listen you just need to come closer a little bit because I'm going to let you into a little bit of a podcast secret because actually we're releasing this in that period that's known as Twixmas the period between Christmas and New Year now actually being honest with you we're recording this just before Christmas so we haven't actually had our Christmas so I can't Find out from Trevor what it is that he's opened uh, from his, under his Christmas tree. And I can't tell you what, what happened in my family as we were opening the crackers and having our Christmas lunch. But we guess that's where you are right now because that's when this podcast is being released. So thank you for joining us. I hope you're not too bloated from the turkey. I think also there's a certain serendipity about the title of today's talk and today's chapter they're going to be talking about because this is about depth so it's kind of going beyond the trivial so you've spent ages sharing the christmas cracker jokes and uh, doing all of those sorts of things and now actually we're going to have we're going to spend the next 40 50 minutes or so in your company talking about the importance of being deep rather than just being dealing with the trivial 
So Trevor, I'm going to start off by saying I, I can recall, there are certain people that I met and I can recall the first time that I met and I, I and you're one of them. So I can remember the first time we got together and had had a chat and a coffee uh, at one of my health clubs and I can remember it because for someone that I'd met for the first time, you were someone that was prepared in that first meeting to kind of ask me sort of the big searching kind of question. So I, I think probably we should start with you. You're someone that kind of doesn't always want to live in the kind of the small chat and the trivial. You like to kind of um, to get into the deeper questions, don't you? I, I, I love it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind the small chat. Um, you know, I really follow soccer like lots of people do and cycle racing and I'm delighted to chat about many many things and why my grass hasn't cut well this you know so it's that but um I'll be honest with you I get very I, I get frustrated if we stay there because I I find the world such an amazing place um and uh you'll know because you can see it so a Cross my study wall is a map of the world uh, and it's a very very big map of the world and i find it fascinating um uh, not just the geography of it but what you can learn and so there's so much but i think there's so much depth as well and i don't know why that is but i knew by the middle of my teenage that i was fascinated why do people do what they do and and how do they change can you change? Uh, and I just became interested. And uh, so I suppose that there was from quite an early age, uh, I was asking those questions. Is there a God? Um, what, yeah, what is our personality? How is it made? How does it shape? What does, uh, does therapy help? <laughs> you know, I mean, it sounds absurd to ask all these questions, but, um, and, and I wanted to travel and I wanted to see what was out there. So I, I think the potential, and I'm using the word depth, um, and often I do contrast it with the word trivial, that I guess my conviction is that as human beings, there is so much. I mean, one of it's on my website, but my kind of life mantra is, look, there's more. There's always more. <laughs> there's always more. Uh, and I don't mean that in an anxious kind of way i just simply mean there's more you can learn more you can expand your horizons more you can develop more there's always more and why not dig in and find out what that more is and let's do that together let's have conversations that really help each other um and uh, this past weekend so we've been with family over the past weekend and particular part of the family we in the evenings when we've sat down to dinner we've had the most amazing conversations about things that are going on in the world right now and how it's changing and it feels a real privilege because i feel like we've learned so much from each other this weekend because they're like younger than i am and we are but they've got perspectives and they've helped me see things and they gave me insights that I didn't have before. So I've learned so much by us saying, well, what about this issue? And what are we doing about that? And is this the way the world's going? And are we happy about that? And so I'm kind of talking around this issue of depth in contrast to conversations where 
we'll chat about the football and the kids and the this and the that and the other. And then it's like there's nothing else to talk about. <laughs> and I, I kind of sit there and think, well, there's a lot more we could talk about, even about the children. You know, do you find it easy being a parent of teenagers, which was the easiest bit? What was the hard? What are they teaching you if our kids are there to give us the opportunity to kind of relearn bits that we didn't learn in our own childhood what are you learning right now so i i do find myself uh, and get into a little bit of trouble sometimes with people just saying well just pitch the question <laughs> and some of my friends kind of go uh oh here he goes <laughs> but um because I, I don't want to waste the opportunity to learn more from each other sure so in becoming mandela without repeating something that we, we, we say in any and every episode, but this is about how we become the best version of ourselves. So is part of this section where we're talking about depth and moving beyond trivial, I guess what you're really saying is that if we want to become the best version of ourselves, we don't necessarily need to have all the answers, but we need to have all the right questions. I, absolutely. And you, you, you couldn't have put it better. I, I think questions and curiosity, being a learner, because once you stop learning, then you stop growing. You settle, whatever it is, in any aspect of whether it's developing physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally. The minute you stop learning, you stop growing. You take being in a partnership with someone. The minute you say, the minute I, if I said to myself, oh, I know Jane, at that moment, I've shut down the growth. I've shut down the growth of that relationship because I, I, what I'm saying is I know it all. Mm. There's nothing more to know. And of course, that's absolute nonsense. Of course, I've hardly even begun. So I think that curiosity and questioning is certainly the doorway. And the reason why this became an issue with Mandela is um, could you imagine sitting with Mandela and not having an interesting conversation? <laughs> Could you imagine sitting with the Dalai Lama, Gandhi, Desmond Tutu, Grasha Michelle, Mary, um, Mary Robinson? You know, could you imagine sitting down with them and not having a really interesting conversation and learning so much about life? Um, I think the beauty of it as well as you watch Mandela is he had learned so deeply. There was such depth. It was so well processed in him that he could almost just say a sentence and that sentence would be like a book. <laughs> Such was the depth of wisdom in, in what he was saying. And the other thing is people ask good questions because they've done that depth work. That's where good questions come from. They've asked themselves, they've done a lot of deep thinking, which allows them to formulate really, really good questions. So are you saying that in order to become a person with depth, that we need to start with with a kind of a self-awareness? I think self-awareness is, is a huge part of it, yes. So I'm, I'm hesitating because how do you become aware when uh, that you're not aware? <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of always want to say it starts with disruption. Okay. Some form of disruption that creates an opportunity for me to become self-aware. Right. Um, and I, 
I've not found the right way of phrasing this, but I think some people just don't let life get to them. You talk to them and they've had some really tough things happen. And you say, well, you know, well, what did you learn? How has it changed you? And they go, well, I don't know, really. And you, you kind of get this water boatman skim across the surface kind of answer. And you think, did that not get to you? Did it, did it somehow not dig deep? You know, um, one of my favorite philosophers, Leonard Cohen, said that, you know, there's a crack in everything because that's how the light gets in. So disruption, life creates these cracks that allow light to get in and, and shine into the depths. So do we let life get to us when things happen and they hurt? Well, don't run away from that. Go with it. Be with it. Sit with it. What is it that's hurting? What is what is it digging up, digging over, revealing? So I think the self-awareness that comes out of that, gosh, that's interesting that I'm responding that way. I just had a coaching session with someone today and... Um, Jane, when I got back, said, you know, how did the session go without breaking any confidences of the person? She said, just how did it go? I said, you know what? I really, I really don't know. I said, I'm really asking myself what was going on there. Right. And she said, well, what were you feeling? And I said, well, that's a good question. And I just began to say, well, I, you know, I felt uncertain about this and I felt whether I was trying to work, did I feel a bit guilty about that? But there was things going on inside of me and I was wondering whether that was getting in the way of me listening well to this person or was I somehow struggling because they were struggling. And so I that that is a a conversation, if you like, around well, what's going on here rather than coming in and her saying, how did it go? And I go, it's fine, great. And then, you know, off I go and, chop some kindling for the evening or something. Um, I think sometimes we don't like left, let life get to us. Sometimes we just settle. And uh, I don't know whether you ever saw the film Thelma and Louise, but um, it's probably a bit dated now. But there's a no, scene no, I in... Remember it, I remember it really well. <laughs> there's a scene in Thelma and Louise where one of them, they kind of are going off and one of them is miles away from home. Phone, she phones back to her husband and basically said, I'm leaving you. I'm gone. And I can't remember what his response was, but I remember her response to him is she said to him, well, I guess we got what we settled for. And, and I think we do in life. We get what we settle for. And I think what depth is saying is don't settle. Ask more, dig in more. Because for someone like Mandela, you are not going to unpick the complexity of an unjust apartheid system by settling. You have to dig deep. And part of him, you know, we've touched on it before, he learned Afrikaans, which wasn't his native language. So sure. he created language depth in order to understand his enemy at that point in time, to understand their mindset and to be able to talk to them in a language that they could understand. So he created even linguistic depth for those reasons. And so, Trevor, do you think that actually in the world we live in now with kind of the way the media works and everything else, that we are encouraged to settle? You know, I, I sense that there's this kind of image or portrayal of what life is all about, that actually, you know, you work hard and actually it's about getting 
the rewards that in, that enable you to enjoy nice holidays, live in a nice house and kind of settle into that life rather than having this sense of desire to be as good as we possibly can. Is that, mm. I mean, is that right? Would you say? Or? Yes. I, I think there is a danger. And I think, I think one of the things I notice is the ability to have difficult conversations seems to get less. Um, it feels like we're encouraged towards a polarity. You think this or think that. You believe this or you believe that. You either of this political persuasion or you're of that. Um, it's very hard to get in, and nothing is this or that. You know that that mm. they're just convenient places to settle. The realities are very very complex. And I notice that, and I find it in myself is. If we were to get into a conversation, and I'm going to take a little risk here, if we were to get into a conversation about Middle Eastern politics, you can't get into it without it being complicated, yeah. emotional, difficult. It's going to set on difficult feelings and emotions, whatever, wherever you are at. Um, and one of the ways I think we are discouraged from going into the messiness of it it's then through labels oh so you support terrorists oh so you're anti-semitic you know we we jump yeah. to those labels oh so you're sexist oh so you're racist and and what that then does is it shuts down the debate it doesn't allow me to try and work out <laughs> what i think and that's what we need is how do you learn to think yeah. Where are the places? Um, and it used to be around the dinner table, but because people don't even often sit around the dinner table together and say, you know, have the messy debate around the dinner table and then clear off and wash the dishes and play football, um, where do you learn how to have messy conversations? So I think we are, people find it difficult to, to get into and allow that messiness to emerge. And I think my definition of intelligence has got nothing to do with degrees and exams. I think to me, the the literal root of it is the ability to think something through. That's what real intelligence is about, is people who can look at an issue and think it right the way through to its logical conclusion. That's part of the debate we were having with family over the weekend is, is something came up and if we don't really think this through, what the logical implications are, we could end up allowing things in society or making decisions in our families that we regret in 10, 15 years' time because we haven't really thought it through. So intelligence is the ability to think something all the way through. Now, where do you learn to think it through? Because it's messy, isn't it? You need, you need to Absolutely. be able to get it wrong in order to, uh, say, to get it right. You need to be able to try on, well, what if I believe that? What if I believe that? What if I actually supported this party? What if I believe that position? What if my view on gender was this? Well, what if it was that? You kind of almost got to be allowed to go there and explore the extremity of the positions in order to work out, do you know what? I, I think kind of this is where I'm settling. 
Um, but with a healthy dose of humility in there, a healthy dose of, you know what, I think this is where I stand, but I don't know because I'm still learning. And I think part of the challenge in today's world is that we're encouraged to take binary positions. Mm. You know, we're either Brexit or we're a Remainer. Mm. You know, we, we're either Tory or we're Labour. We're, you know, everything is about your, you've got two polar opposite positions that you can take. And, and there's no acceptance that actually there's a whole realm of grey in between those two of different positions that you can take. It's a continuum and there might be two ends of that, that continuum, but, but there is a whole raft of different positions that mm. can be taken up along that. Yes, I think that's right. And I think it's a, it's a good question to which I don't have the answer as to why have we come to that place where we have got these binary options and can't, what stops us going into the, the, the messy middle and, yeah. and having these discussions. And I sometimes wonder whether it's about power is for people to hold on to positions of power, they have to hold on to a position of power. Because if you if you begin to say, well, actually, I do agree with you on this, this, and this, and um, I, I actually do have a bipartisan position on that political issue, is people go like, well, I'm not going to support you then, you know, because <laughs> you're not a true blue, you're not a true red, you're not a true green or whatever. Um, but again, the issue of depth for me is, Let's have these conversations. Let's let's talk. Let's explore what's going on. Why are we doing this? Why are we thinking that? And in every dimension of our lives, there is lots to explore. Sure. So part of what I want to explore with you now then is that when we talk about depth, is that is the fact that we have depth in the way that we think and the way we act. Do you think that that faith is part of that of that depth. Um, great question. I, it can be, but it can also be the opposite. In my experience, so I work with some very deeply spiritual people, and what marks them out is they are learners, their humility the desire to go on learning, growing, developing in their own self-awareness. And I've worked with people of faith who believe they know, they have the answer, they know who's going to heaven, they know who's going to hell in their particular framework, and um, they got it sewn up, which means there's nothing to learn. They know. Sure. So to me, that creates trivial that creates shallow, that creates shutdown. Because if you know, then there's nowhere, <laughs> there's nowhere for us to go in this conversation, yeah. is there? So, um, and that, I think it's absolutely the opposite, certainly, you know, the tradition I grew up with was a Christian tradition is, um, as I understand it, what Jesus said he wanted to create was not people who held positions, as in an opinionated position, but people who were disciples. Now, the word disciple means learner. Mm. So my understanding is that a true disciple is someone who is committed to lifelong learning. 
So they're always going to be in this, I'm learning this, I don't know that, I'm really intrigued, I'm wondering about. Um, so I, th I think there is huge depth that can open up through spirituality and uh, faith and belief. Uh, immense possibilities where we can explore why are we here, what are we about, um, so, I mean, I'm coming back at the moment and I'm rereading James Hillman, who um, actually studied with Carl Jung and worked with him. And he's challenging our whole view of how we view a child when they're born into the world. They're born, you know, what are they born with? What are they coming? And do they come in with some kind of a deeper spiritual blueprint? Now, it doesn't matter whether you agree with that or not, but what an interesting conversation <laughs> to get into about how our children come into the world, what they bring. So Philip Pullman wrote Dark Materials, and in Dark Materials, those who've read the books or watched the television program, they're deeply spiritual books, um, and everyone's got their daemon, which is a little animal and all the rest of it. Well, daemon's not a new idea. Daemon is thousands of years old and, and captures the idea that we have this like guiding spirit. You know, Christians might call them guardian angels or whatever. Now, Again, it doesn't matter whether you agree with that or not, but what it's saying is there's some really interesting conversations to be had here, whether in the field of spirituality, whether in the field of psychology. Why do you think the way you think? How much of it's influenced by others? How much of it is shaped by genetics or whatever? What is your unconscious? Does it go even deeper than your unconscious to the collective unconscious? And so... Again, I'm not advocating that we become world experts in all these areas. I'm just saying, hey, there's more. Yeah. There's lots of interesting conversations out there. Um, no excuse to stop developing depth. Sure. I suppose one of the things that triggered me to ask that question is so, you know, I've developed my faith um, over the past 20 years or so. And I, I love your analogy in the book where you talk about that actually – it's not just about growing up, but it's about growing down mm. and putting putting out our roots. And I suppose for me, um, you know, on my faith journey, as I've developed my faith, that feels like that's given me the chance to put out and put down some roots. Mm. And I, I can totally uh, get that. And I, I think that that's true spiritually. It's true psychologically. Why do people go into therapy? It's because they think, actually, I need to put down some roots. I need to find some ways of getting some deeper roots that go deeper than the depression, deeper than the anxiety, deeper than these habits or addictions or whatever. I need to find some roots that go deeper. And, and who can I have conversations with that will help me do that? Mm. Um, so I, I work with a spiritual director at the moment. I don't know why they're called directors because they don't direct a thing. It's like a mentor because, um, I grew up in a very uh, non-Christian household. My dad was a confirmed atheist, an evangelical atheist. So um, I, I had some experiences in my teenagers that were very spiritual, and it shaped you know a lot of my thinking. And then, then I've gone through massive rethinks um, in in the last 10, 15 years, and I felt the need to be with someone who could help me work out what are you letting go of and what are you holding on to and what are you developing that's new? So I needed to find someone who had some depth to help sure. me go on that exploration. And I think 
that brings us back to elders. So I work with an elder on that issue because I, I need some help. I need someone who's been down that track before. And an elder might be a therapist. An elder might be a spiritual director. An elder might be someone at work who can bring some perspective or you know, it could be any aspect of our lives. So I want to move on to the next part of, of the chapter when you talk about um, Ken Wilber's work and, and he talks about the, the sort of those four stages of evolving. Mm. And, I, and I must admit, I wasn't familiar with that at all. And I found that absolutely fascinating. So, so yeah, unpack that a bit for us. Yes, I don't know whether I can unpack it quickly and easily. Um, so I've, I've been massively helped by Ken Wilber. I think he's probably got one of the brightest brains on the planet. And part of his gift is the ability to make it <laughs> readable to someone like me. Um, but in talking about depth, you know, you talk about growing up or growing down. So he, he talks about depth with these words. He talks about waking up. Uh, so if you take your life, waking up, waking up is that we're all conscious at some level, even if it's at a basic level, I'm conscious, I wake up, I feel hungry. I'm conscious, I wake up, I need to go to the loo. That is consciousness. Um, and what he's saying is that we can keep on waking up to higher and higher levels of consciousness, awareness about what's going on. And you, if you work in the east as opposed to the west, there are much more natural, deeper levels of consciousness that people live with in a way that we don't. And that's why I think it's great to mix with all cultures and realize we we are so impoverished in so many ways in our Western culture. So what he's saying is, look, there's there's lots of depth out there and we can wake up at different levels. Now, you might say, well, I'm not interested in religion, spirituality, God or anything like that. But even if you put all that aside and just said waking up to your own motivations, waking up to what's going on in this conversation. You know, I was feeling fine when I started this conversation. Now I feel irritated and I feel angry. Where did that come from? You know, that's waking up, isn't it? So whatever whatever aspect of life we're involved, we'll be saying we can wake up. So depth is about waking up and that journey will go on and on and on. Is Am I continuing to wake up? As opposed, the opposite would be, you know, you can sleepwalk through life. Sure. So another one he talks about is growing up. So that would be more the developmental work. So let me give you a personal example. So I found myself growing up with certain kind of reactions, things I would avoid, ways I would try and manage certain conversations, things I'd feel a bit anxious about or it might make me quite angry or frustrated. So I wouldn't be that aware. But the growing up bit is, well, what's going on there, Trevor? And with the help of elders who actually understand the more developmental side of why you end up doing what you're doing, thinking what you're thinking, feeling what you're feeling. I've been able to do some exploration as to, well, where are some of the roots of that? Where do they lie? Well, what can I do about that? So that growing 
growing up, or you might even call that growing down, but it's much mm -hmm. more the psychology work. It's much more the work that you would do with really good, deep, honest conversations, maybe with a therapist or a mentor or someone who's not scared to kind of go the distance with you to talk about those parts of yourself that feel a little bit more kind of edgy or scary to talk about. So that's what he would talk about growing up. Then he talks about cleaning up. And what he's saying is that as we go through life, we we do things and we say things and those things have an impact on others. So part of the waking up is being humming aware of some of the mess mm. that I've left behind. And if we're going to make an impact in our relationship society, some of that involves going and clearing up. It means going back and saying, look, I realize now that wasn't very helpful. I'm sorry. I realize now that was a bit defensive. I'm sorry. So going back and, and clearing up the, um, the mess, as it were. It's interesting. So Peter Hawkins, who wrote the uh, forward for the book, we were having a conversation about eldership, one of a number of conversations. Uh, and I remember talking about the book and I said, well, where would you start? He said, well, I would start with an apology. Like, what? He said, yeah. He said, I think we should apologize. You and me. We should apologize. So what do you mean? It's like our generation. He said, we've been the, we are the most privileged generation that has existed. And what have we done with it? We've treated the planet like it was our own, you know, consumer tub. And look yeah. what we've done, you know, and, and look what we've left. Look what we're leaving our kids and our grandkids. And he said, I would start with an apology. So, you know, we, we've messed up and, and we need to start by saying we're sorry. Because saying I'm sorry is the beginning of finding a different pathway. Right. So that's the kind of the clearing up. And then the last one he talks about is showing up. And um, uh, you'll relate to this in terms of work. You know, how much do your employees bring of themselves to work each day? Be an interesting question to ask them. Mm -hmm. And we you know we can ask our listeners to ask themselves in whatever they do in their jobs is when you go to work tomorrow, how much of yourself will you take with you? Because a lot of people, the figures that come are quite low. You know, some people say, well, 20%, 30%, 40%. Some people say a lot, you know, this demands all of me. Other people say, you know, my work doesn't want all of me. It wants this bit of me and this bit of me. It doesn't really want to know about this experience, those feelings or those ideas. It doesn't want to know. So I leave all that behind. I leave my questions and my doubts and they just want to know the coping uh, competent person. They don't want to know the insecure, incompetent person. Okay, well, I leave that person behind. How much of yourself shows up? Because ultimately, you and I are here, and the biggest impact we can make on our world, our life, is that we show up fully. So how do I show up fully? What I think, what I feel, what I know, what my experiences are, where I can make a difference. How do I bring all of myself or increasingly more of myself to bear on the world around me? That's the showing up that he talks about. So, and it's brilliant. And I think all of those really resonate with me. Um, I suppose the question I was left with when I, when I read that and just listening to you talking is that all makes a huge amount of sense. But how do we translate that into our daily actions get curious 
Right. Get interested and ask questions. Great. Become a learner. I think that's what I'd say. Is learn. Look, it's there. The whole it's life is right there, right now. Learn. So they're saying, get curious. Yeah. Ask questions. Yeah. Get involved. Yeah. So I came through, I'd been traveling today, came in, and Jane said to me, she said, oh, it's terrible about CO2 emissions. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, she said that what they're saying today is they didn't even go down during the pandemic. Okay, statement on the news. Curiosity says is, why is that? Mm. I wonder why. I wonder why they didn't go down because we'd stop flying. So, so what's the reason for that? We should really find out why. Absolutely, it didn't go down. So I'm, you know, it's just a question that's you could either avoid or you go, why? Why was I feeling like I was feeling in the coaching conversation that, that I was having? I have an electric car, and I had one of my electric car. Hairy days trying to get some charger that was actually working, and it's like, well, okay, so, so what's that going to look like when the whole country needs to go electric, and we can't even do it when like one percent of us are electric? Yeah, I know these are you might say they're ridiculous questions, but I'm just saying all the time with life, it's so. I wonder why they reacted like that. I wonder what's happening there. I wonder what. Let's get curious. Ask questions of people. When you meet someone, ask a question. And I would always say to someone, always ask the second question. Because a lot of people, if they're going to get stuck at a kind of more shallow level, ask the first question. How are you, Dave? I'm going to ask you now. How are you? Yeah, I'm great, thank you. Yeah. So that tells me nothing, does it? That's the first question. How are you? And you'll say, and how are you, Trevor? And I'll say, I'm fine. Really good. We've learned nothing. <laughs> now, the follow-up question would be, and you don't need to answer this right now, but so so what's gone well? You know what what does good look like for you right now? And then then we'd sure. be into another. You might say, well, this is going on with Miranda and the girls and, and whatever. So now now we are creating more depth. Yeah. Or someone says, you know, oh, I think this, and you say, that's really interesting. Why do you think that? What's shaped your thinking? Yeah, I think that idea of that that second question that's. Uh... That's great, isn't it? Because it, it, we do tend to just kind of move on to the next thing rather than actually listen to the response. And I, I sometimes, I know we, that was just an example you were giving, but but I do sometimes wonder when people say, how are you? And you can sense they've already moved on. They're not even listening to the answer. And I, part of me is tempted to say, mm. oh, I'm really terrible, actually. And just expect them to go, oh, okay, good. Kind of like moving on because they're just not expecting yeah. the answer because it's almost like we're programmed, saying, no, I'm great, thanks. So, I always so. remember um, Dan Allen, he was, I was at a conference with him once, and uh, he tells this thing about, um, and this is a chap's thing, because he goes into the toilets during the break and he's standing, uh, you've got all the urinals where men are standing, I mean, they're wheeze, but he was in the cubicle. So he's sitting in the cubicle and listening to a conversation outside and there's two men standing by the urinal and one man says to the other he said i watched this amazing film last night and the guy next to him says yeah i watched a great one too and that was it end of the conversation <laughs> that's the opposite of depth yeah absolutely brilliant right so let's leave some takeaways then so so what are the questions that that you leave us with around around depth yes and i'll pitch them to you as a way of just kind of thinking them through so the first question might seem a little bit blunt but let's see what you do with it well, the first question at the end of that chapter is do you see yourself as a person of depth and 
Why do you think so? So I think I am by nature quite curious. So and I think that helps with, with depth. And I think as I've got older, I've wanted to challenge more the status quo um, and, and or, or just challenge the assumptions that we always make. I think that's that's part of what this is about. And I've certainly been keen to learn more. I've read more. But I think the challenge for me and the, the, that what I got from from reading this this chapter is it's very easy at the pace of life that we live to to be that water boatman, the, the analogy that you gave earlier, and just skim across the surface because there's so much surface that we've got to cover. Um, and I think what particularly because my business and, and what I do on, you know, from on my day-to-day job is is I'm dealing with an awful lot of different different sites and and interestingly I mean I was I was thinking about this question is that when I get most excited and most energized at work is when I'm able to spend time at one particular site and get in up to my elbows in that site and that's what fires me up more than when I'm just at a surface level overseeing a number of different sites or supporting a number of different people so I think I think for me, there's a tendency to want to be able to do that, but I think there's always a tension, um, and that's something that I need to work on and think about, and that's where this whole process that we're going through with becoming Mandela is so helpful, is I need to think about there are many times when I probably lack depth in my communications with not just people at work, but also people outside of work, because... Yeah, I don't get enough time to spend with them and, and enough enough quality time. We probably don't have enough time when we have friends around for meals when you can have those kind of dinner party conversations that, that bring in bring in depth. So I will naturally end up chatting to friends through text messages and WhatsApp rather than, you know, sat in front of one another, um, having a proper conversation. So Yes, one of my takeaways from here is that I need to think about getting deeper with those friends, people that I'm closer to. Okay, thank you. So who are the people around you that you see as people of depth? And what is it about them that leads you to conclude that? So, and again, I mentioned it before, there's two really good mates of mine, Duncan and Andy, who... We generally meet up on a once a month basis and kind of chat over a meal. It's just kind of really reinforcing my last point. So we would have some pretty deep conversations and also, well, both of them, but particularly Duncan, just because probably I've known him for longer. He's prepared to ask me the tricky questions that maybe others might might avoid. And that's what I love about our my, my relationship with him is there's no hiding place. And so we can have those sort of deeper conversations. Um, so those would be the people that I would would um, identify with. And I think also, again, I'm going to include Miranda here, my wife, and that probably is a, is a good thing to do. But we, we, we were talking earlier, actually, the opportunity didn't come in to, to mention it at that time. But I always remember when we first got together and we were forming our relationship, um, we and in fact it was the first holiday that we actually went away and had a holiday together and we went away uh, for, for two weeks and we had question of the day 
So we would, you know, we were in Corsica, I think it was, and we would do some driving around and we spend some time on the beach. But but every day we said, right, what's the question of the day? And we had this kind of topic that was probably quite a meaty topic and a question that we would debate so that we could understand. We obviously, as I said, it was our first holiday together. We were new into a relationship and it and it added depth to our relationship because we got to understand one another and what our motivations were. And and so I think the fact that we got into that early means that now, you know, we'll walk the dog and it's not just going to... I mean, of course, we'll have the standard conversations about people and events and work and everything else. But we'll also have the conversations about how we're parenting and yeah how we're living our lives and what else we need to be able to to do to live our lives well both as a as a couple and and individually so so yeah i think um I, i'd need you know i value that part of of my relationship with with miranda so much and that's what gives us the depth to that relationship yeah that's great and if you were to choose one area of your life right now where you think i i'm going to start intentionally seeing if I can create a little bit more depth in that area, what would that be for you? I think that would be with my youngest daughter. So she is just at that age of sort of, you know, she's 13. So she is starting to transition from a young child into becoming a teenager stroke, you know, be- becoming more grown up. And Again, I think you know uh, uh, children are different. So, so it was always for Rose and I, for whatever reason, there's always been those more deeper conversations. Millie, as a character, lives for the moment, and I love her for that. So, so she's just and and she's wonderful to be in in her company because she just yes yeah, she just lives for that moment and she's the one that's singing around the house and then you'll suddenly you'll hear the piano strike up and she's sat down and playing the piano and uh, so that's great but I think as she is m- becoming more of an adult I need to develop the ability to have more deeper conversations with her because I would know less about what she really thinks about life and about about certain goals and objectives than I do with my eldest daughter so yeah, so that would be my one right. answer for that one. Thank you, thank you. There we go. So we've had some deep conversations today. I mean, this whole becoming Mandela and becoming the best version of ourselves naturally is some thought-provoking and deep conversations. And this chapter is all about exactly that. How do we how do we get deeper? So given the time of year and given the topic there is only one way that i can really wrap this up at the end and that's to ask you what your favorite christmas cracker joke is so have you have you got oh one? my goodness have you got one? no i'm terrible at that no well let me you, let you me tell you warning of that question. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you mine so mine is what do you call a dog that does magic tricks uh no go tell me a labracadabrador oh so there you go how else could we finish thanks so much for joining us trevor and i loved having you as being part of this podcast and we'd love you to join us again it will be next year when we'll be back but we'll hope you'll still join us if you've not done so already please subscribe and if you feel so inclined we'd love you to leave us a review as well but other than that we're going to say goodbye 
and Happy New Year. Yes. And we'll Happy see New. you in 2022.